This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome back to Thoughts on the Table, the audio blog on food and food culture with Paola again and with a returning guest. Today with me is Alida Zamparini. Hi, Alida. Hello, Paolo. How are you? I'm very good. How's it going? Not bad. Quite good, actually. Yes. So, yeah, we talked uh, about a year and a half ago, I believe, and uh, I'll be checking back with you uh, on what's new, what happened in the last little while, and uh, talk some more about your blog and your recipes and your traveling. Uh, there's so much stuff that goes on in your world. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm indeed quite busy. <laughs> I keep cooking and cooking and cooking. Um, so, yes, more recipes, uh, more visits to artisans and lots going on, really. Yes, yes, you're a very active blogger. Um, I noticed and you mentioned the visit to Artisans Productions uh, has become uh, a main focus of your blog. It was also uh, a focus before, but it's even in your tagline now, in, uh, in your subtitle. Yeah, exactly. This is really what I really love. Um, this is actually the food that I tend to buy. Mm -hmm. um, I love the flavor, um, support young farmers and small companies, um, and I love the whole history behind the food as well. Yes, that's that's the main thing. And, and somehow you managed to um, to talk to artisans to to get into their production uh, facilities. You you interview them, you take pictures, and and that's really remarkable. I was also talking about this last time because normally you don't see these things. Uh, that's uh, that's really hard for people to see that. Yeah, that's right. And you know, people just go to a supermarket and they buy their shopping there also because of it is, it is practical if you work and you don't have time. But it is so nice when you can actually visit someone and like even apples, for instance, and the food is better, it's fresher and it's been produced differently and it makes a big difference, mm -hmm. you know. And I visited a beekeeper It was so nice because they take you to the spot and I wore the um, the outfits and I could open the mm -hmm. beehive with them, just stuff you don't usually do. And my yeah. camera was covered in bees, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually quite exciting as well. Um, it's just amazing what goes behind a little product, you know, or so much work behind it. And we wouldn't even think, you know, yeah. if we buy like a jar of honey in a supermarket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's just extraordinary, I think. So much passion too and knowledge. It's incredible. It is it is years of knowledge, you know. It's often yeah. from father to son as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you make connections. So these are, you know, people you get to know somehow and then you they take you on a private tour and they, they show you everything. That's fantastic. So that's and then you share that with your uh, readers, which is uh, obviously what really makes you stand out um, in the blogosphere, as they say. <laughs> so um Alida, um, do you have any uh, examples of any of these visits that stands out? I think my visits with the dairy man mm -hmm. in my region have been one of the most exciting visits I had. It was last year now. We went up to the mountains and we saw also they make cheese up there, you know, right at the top. And it was Montasio cheese, which is mm -hmm. one of the cheeses of my region. Um That was very nice, and there were the cows grazing and the beautiful, fresh, fine hair. Um, you know, you can imagine 
fresh milk from the mountains. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was very exciting. And what I loved is to see how they make ricotta, not, mm-hmm. not in an industrial way, in an artisan way, by hand. You know, there was this old man <laughs> called Picne Ricotta, you know, that would come up. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and the taste it was incredible on the breads and yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we will link to uh, this article so people will be able to read and get more details. Um, so sometimes instead, when you when you go to Italy on your visits, uh, you go to a particular area, a particular region, and you also experience a product that is typical of that region. Uh, so that's another aspect of your blog, which is more of a travel blog slash foodie uh, yes. experience where you talk about a product or a produce and how to use it to uh, make amazing food. Right. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> One example that you mentioned to me in the emails we exchanged was uh, the fico, the fico moro of Caneva, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us more about this fig? And first off, where is Caneva and uh, how can people get there? Well, Caneva is in the province of Pordenone, mm-hmm. which is in the northeast of Italy, between Friuli and Veneto, mm-hmm. the two different regions, but it still belongs to Friuli. It's basically a special type of fig, which has a long shape and, it, and is very tasty. And it, it is also not too sweet, uh, which means you can eat loads more than you would from a normal fig. <laughs> so you don't need, you know, you can eat as many as you like and it's still so light. Uh, it's a lovely fig. So I went to visit them and it's still very artisan because I'm not sure it's being exported abroad yet because figs are quite difficult to, um, to transport. They don't travel very well, yeah. And they make jams, and they make spreads, uh, they combine it with chocolate, so they make all sorts of things um, mm-hmm. with it. Awesome. So there is the production of these figs, and then uh, you also had a chance to see how they prepare them um, in various ways, so from the actual fruit itself uh, to preparations done with it, correct? Yeah. Okay, yes, I see, yeah. I see, I see. They also make ice cream with it. Yeah. And then one thing I wanted to mention is totally organic because figs are usually, they don't need pesticides. So, <laughs> so it's a good thing. Yeah. Mm, very nice. And on your blog, you feature a recipe also made with this type of figs. Is that right? Yes. Yes. A classic tart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a basically shortcut pastry which is the base of any tart. And mm-hmm. then I put some ricotta filling and some little chocolate drops. Mm-hmm. And then I put the fresh figs on top. So it was really, and a bit of honey. It was really, really good. <laughs> really simple. Yeah. yeah. With a nice product, of course, it's going to be nice. <laughs> yes, that's a fantastic way to have them. Um, uh, and uh, again, it's on your blog. You were saying that these are special figs also because they have a very thin skin that you can eat which really simplifies. You can, yes. Yeah. Indeed you can, yes. Yeah, and it's nice. You can just wash it. You can eat it all, all in one go. <laughs> yeah, and also I think it's nice because then you can just slice them and put them on a, on a tart as opposed to having to kind of take out the pulp, which is really a bunch of seeds <laughs> and, uh, and is a lot less nice to see um, as a presentation. So instead, mm-hmm. this can be whole and uh, stay together. So that's useful for cooking. Yeah. I was looking at your blog and you had this crostata, which is another type of tart, uh, with berries and and spelt. Is that right? 
Yeah, spelt is something I use very much uh, in my cooking. Now um, I make all sorts of things, um, particularly this tart. It was my version of a galette, of a French galette, mm-hmm. which is a very rustic tart. You don't need uh, a tin or anything. You just uh, make a simple base with the spelt water, mm-hmm. butter, and an egg, and or without, if you prefer. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, you cook it, and then on top you put some jam and some fresh fruits, and it's delicious with a bit of whipped cream or ice cream, vanilla ice cream. So you can have it all around the year, but in the summer I think it's very refreshing when you get all this fruit of the forest. Um, or peaches, you can add anything you like. Mm-hmm. You said, yeah, it's done without a, a pan, but just on a That's cookie right. sheet. That's why I like that, because sometimes you don't want to use it. You don't want to rinse. You don't want to wash. When, <laughs> yeah. The less washing you do, the better, isn't the better. it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, with your hands, like you would make a pizza well, with your hands. And that's right. Really rustic. Really rustic, and the corners are folded in, and that's how it maintains its filling. Um, that's right. And what is the difference in using spelt? Well, the difference is uh, the amount of gluten you have, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I'm not a gluten-free type, but um, I believe in the fact that modern wheat has been so much modified mm-hmm. that um, it is not as digestible and so good for you as it was 30 years ago. Also, because I like to try different things and to um, do a more variety in my cooking. Mm-hmm. So I try to use ancient grains, as they are called, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I would say I would be less modified than modern wheat. And they have an interesting taste as well. I love spelt. It's true. And there's a trend here too, to go back to these ancient grains and also go back to things like heirloom tomatoes, um, mostly because they haven't been caught into the uh, you know um, mass production yet. Uh, and therefore they are more similar to how they used to be. I'm sure they've been modified too. They've been selected. But uh, for one thing, they're often enjoyed whole. So at the very least, they contain more fibers, they contain more nutrients, because we we haven't just extracted the actual core of them. Um, Exactly. They've been refined too much. Yes. Ideally, whole meal is ideal, isn't it? Or or at least half and half, you know, if you find it too rich. Yes. A bit of rusk, as we say, is good. Rusk is good. It's good for you. Um, continuing on ancient grains, you also talk about kamut. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Kamut Khorasan, yes, as it is known. Or Khorasan, some people would know it as. Mm-hmm. It's another ancient grain, extremely popular in Italy. And in fact, in some restaurants, when you go out, you can get pasta made with kamut. Um, I noticed. Yes. Recently, though. Yeah. It seems to be a recent trend. Yeah. It's extremely popular, I would say. Yeah, more than here in the UK. I think there isn't a big demand. Um, but it should be, I think. It's really nutty and sweet. Interesting. So you make a pizza dough with it? Yes, I make a pizza with it. And I often mix it with spelt. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it could be a bit too hard. So I like to mix the flowers, you know. We love it. We love it in our family. That's fantastic. Yeah, we will link uh, to the recipe, of course, um, um, so that people will just go straight to it. Um, Again, your blog has a fantastic index uh, to search for uh, recipes also by ingredients, by various criteria. So that's great. But again, we'll give the link. Um, In speaking of grains, we were talking about that there's also uh, corn, which is, you know, the the corn kernel is considered a grain. And um, it contains a different kind of gluten, which is not the same as 
uh, wheat gluten. So people who are celiac are not um, usually allergic to it. Um, so that's that's another alternative that uh, is good to incorporate into the diet. Corn has been, of course, modified in many ways, selected, etc. It's one of the most modified foods, <laughs> but uh, you can't really get away from that. But You can't get away from it. No, no, not these days. No. And then one of the things we know, I'm sure you agree with me, we only live once. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. absolutely. And you must enjoy it. I always think you've got to make the most <laughs> some things. But polenta is one of those things that even celiacs can have uh, and is really nice. Yes. And you can do so many things. You can just have it with the stew. You can char grill it. Mm-hmm. You can even make chips. You can do so many things. Um, even pasta now, they make pasta with corn and rice for yep. for celiacs. Uh, it's really versatile, I find. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the thing with polenta is, you know, it has this stigma of being so hard to make because, you know, when done traditionally, you, you have to stir it for 40 minutes to an hour. And it's not just, you know, light stirring. It's really hard stirring because this thing is thick as glue. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you were telling me that there's also other ways uh, to, to cook polenta. Is that right? I, I have the time so I can cook it slowly, uh, use a, like a wholemeal one. Mm-hmm. So so it is, it is different. It's a different experience altogether. But the way I do it is I do it quite runny. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to stir quite as much. I leave it on the stove for about 45 minutes and I stir every so often. So whilst I do other things, I go there and stir. Oh, okay. So you don't have to be always there. Right, right. It's a little bit similar to grits, um, which is, you know, uh, more runny and um, it's served sometimes as, as a base uh, for other things to put on top. Yes. So, right. yeah, I love that too. Mm, so you're saying if you make it more runny, you can just stir from time to time. There's more water in it, so it won't stick. Um, yeah, but... and then you, you have it with a stew or something, or fish, anything you like. Yeah. Right, exactly. But there's also a quick way to cook it. How does that work? It's been cooked before, isn't ah, okay. it? Okay, so it's pre, so, sort of pre-cooked in a way. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's called quick cook and it takes 10 minutes, but it's ah, like, okay. I call it semolina because it's not, it's real polenta. Right, it's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's already cooked. You can get the ready cooked one. <laughs> I, I, I have a, <laughs> Even I can't against minute rice. I don't know if you have it in England. Um, it's terrible. For one thing, it tastes like... Uh, paper <laughs> so it's really bad and it's actually extruded so uh it's not really? rice anymore it's like a rice pulp that has been extruded back to looking like rice pellet which is gosh, I gosh never heard yes of that. it's ridiculous and uh, but a lot of people use it but um it, for one thing it's not uh, really minute rice because it takes more than a minute to cook uh, usually it's five minutes uh, real rice will take 15 to 20 minutes so yes yeah, sure it's four times faster but um, but I don't, absolutely not worth it to me. Um, so I have my crusade against minute rice. But also, um, we have to point out that there's another kind of rice, which instead is parboiled rice, uh, which is used in cooking, um, especially for rice salads. 
and uh, and that's yeah. really great actually um, because it has actually a lot of flavor. It actually has a lot of more nutrients even. Oh yes, because, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Because it was just um, shocked into hot water uh, briefly in, in part of the the production. So that seems to you know hold the cooking better. It makes for very clean and separate grains, which is obviously really good for a rice salad. You don't want mushy rice salad, but it's obviously the wrong choice for something like a risotto where you want the creaminess, of course. Yeah, that's right. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. I should rice for that. Yeah. <laughs> so rice too, of course, is another interesting alternative if you're celiac um, yes yeah, yeah. that's right yeah, risotto yes ah, nice risotto. risotto it's always nice yeah Sunday especially meal. from the north because you are a oh, northerner yeah. I'm from Milan so risotto. yeah yeah and I'm the other side from <laughs> yeah, east yeah yeah ah it's perfect Alida, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I let you go, and I know you have a busy day ahead of you, uh, so I let you continue. And um, yeah, let's touch base later on uh, for more of your adventures and more of your uh, food notes. Great, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Paolo. Thank you, and congratulations again on your work. Really fantastic. Many thanks. Bye. Bye bye. Talk soon. <laughs>